Welcome to week five of the Verified Series podcast, where we dive deeper into the content from Sunday's message. This week, we have Aaron Hickson joining us again. Welcome back, Aaron. I'm glad to be here. My name is Josh, and this is the Verified Series podcast. So Aaron, we have to start here. You confessed on Sunday that you are a Duncan fan, not a Starbucks fan. That is correct. Is that a Red Sox fandom thing? Are you just trying to stand out from the crowd? Oh man. Okay. So I guess it's a, it's a number of factors. For one, I feel like most people that like Starbucks are not drip coffee people. They're not going there for their drip coffee. They're going for there for their various blended beverages and espresso based drinks and that kind of stuff. And since I'm more of just like, I want some black coffee, I'm more for the chemical inside of coffee called <laughs> caffeine sure. than I am necessarily for anything else. And it's not that I don't like Starbucks, but I am a huge Red Sox fan. And my wife has New England roots, and she's the one who actually got me into coffee in the first place, basically. So it's kind of like I started on Dunkin', and I love the Red Sox and the Starbucks. It just kind of feels like I'm cheering for the Yankees every time I drink it, and that that hurts me a little bit. You have that well thought out. I, to be totally honest, I I'm have not. more to say about that if you'd like, uh, Doctor Horn. But uh, I, I'm not much of a coffee fan. Uh, I prefer to to drink loose leaf tea to be nice and pretentious. I don't wow. find bitter bitter bean water with sugar and milk until it's hot cocoa to be all that helpful. So, oh my goodness, that is awesome. So let's jump right into the content. You spoke on First John chapter five, and I know in the lead up to Sunday's message, there's a lot of things you wanted to say, and just not enough time to cover it all. There's a lot going on in that chapter, and I know you. You're a t- talker. So it's probably a struggle every time to trim your message down to the basics. So, um, yeah, Yeah, it it is. I mean, and obviously it's not just the fact that there's time constraints on Sunday morning. It's the fact that everybody thinks they're more interesting than they are. So (laughs) I go up there, I'm sure I have more that I want to say. And, and people are helpfully reminding me like, yo, no, ain't nobody that interested. So, uh, there's always stuff that has to go. Sure. Um, what I'd love to do is unpack some of First John 5. Uh, first, you only really tackled a small part, kind of the main focus that, that John had in that chapter, but there was some pretty intense stuff in the parts you didn't explore. I mean, anyone who read from beginning to end of chapter 5 had a number of questions. <laughs> they sure Can did. you address some of those bits, even for just a moment? Yeah, I feel like, you know, there's a, there's a couple different things in First John 5 that are confusing. Um, one of them is some verses I didn't really talk much about where there are, there are things that testify to Jesus' deity and it says the water, the blood, and the spirit. And that's like, wait, what is that about? And if you're reading in the King James, it actually includes other things that aren't in other versions. So like that gets confusing. And then later on in the chapter, there's something where it seems like no matter what you pray for, you can get whatever you want. Like God's a vending machine. He's just going to throw stuff at you if you ask for it. And then right after that, it says there are sins that lead to death, but we shouldn't pray about those is what it kind of seems like it's saying. So there are a few, honestly, like super confusing things in this in this passage that I get. Anybody who's who was reading carefully would have caught those things, and I I honestly didn't address any of them in the message on Sunday. So, um, yeah, I think for for me, rather than just giving answers to those, I actually would just love to give you resources of how I would recommend you go about finding answers to those questions. And so I'll just tell you what I did on those three questions about water, blood, and spirit. Uh, the should I, can I get anything I want from God? And are there like mortal or venial sins type thing? Like those three questions. I just went to trusted sources. So I went to gotquestions.org and searched those three things and found a good article on one of them. Then I went to 
Ask Pastor John, which is the a ministry of Desiring God. John Piper is a is a, a nationally known pastor, and he has a, a quick podcast where he'll just answer hard questions. And I got a great resource from him on one of those questions. And then finally, I just went to Bible.org, which if you've never done that, that's just literally, it's a website that has the Bible on it. And it uses the Net Bible Translation, which is amazing. And on the side, it actually has... A, like a link where you can just, as you're reading a Bible passage, follow along with a commentary. And it has Dr. Tom Constable's notes available right there in line with the text of the Bible. And he had awesome stuff to say about those passages. So we're going to link to all three of those resources, got questions, ask Pastor John and Bible.org. And to me, even like I'm a guy with seminary degrees, I start there often when I'm developing a message because it, they have thorough, helpful, introductory answers that if you just want to kind of soothe your conscience real quick, those are great places to start. But they're also a great leap pad. If you want to go much, much deeper, they often have other things you can read. So I recommend those three resources for any tough question, and uh, we'll, we'll link to those in the show notes. Yeah, bookmarking those would be so helpful for just future study in general for anyone. We don't have to take Aaron's word for it on answers to all of these questions. It's nice to have uh, additional sources that we can check out uh, and help ourselves understand the Bible rather than depending on other people to tell us everything about it. It's so true. In fact, you you can't depend on just me because if you're depending on me, you're actually depending on those other things anyway, because that's where I got it. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, I've heard you talk a little bit about a really practical way to, to walk through chapter five that helps highlight, like literally highlight a main theme that runs through John's writing. Uh, Can you share that approach with us? Yeah, as I was, I actually had a really hard time getting my head around chapter five. So something I did as I was developing this message is I just took the text of 1 John 5, double spaced it, printed it out like six times, and then just read through a bunch. And every question I had or comment I had or a theme I started to notice, I just wrote all over it. Like I actually have, and, and actually I gave You gave me a signed copy of your notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, but, you know, I just like scribbled all over a bunch of pieces of paper to get my head around this passage. And But one of the themes that started to jump out at me was it seems like there are th- the kind of a logical sequence in 1 John 5 that uh, of three categories that John mentions. First of all, our view of Jesus is a massive part of the passage. And our view of Jesus leads to a status change before God and with God. And then finally, it has some benefits for us. So view of Jesus leads to a status change, which leads to benefits for us as believers, like eternal life and becoming an overcomer and that kind of stuff. So honestly, what I did and what I would encourage you to do, I'm not going to give you the answers, get three different colored highlighters, print out 1 John 5, and I would recommend anyone look for those three things in 1 John 5, highlight one of them one color, another one another, and and just look through and see how those three fill show up throughout 1 John 5. And to me, it was really, really helpful. Like it was the the way that I got my head around this passage was to see that that was kind of the main point because the colors just start popping up all over the page. And I just think it's a great way to, to, to better understand a passage. I think that's also helpful to, to think about any passage you come to that is repetitive. Mm. It's likely repetitive for a reason, right? The author yeah. has something they want to say, and they want to say it a different way over and over again. So that that framework, not necessarily view of Jesus, status change, and benefits, but any passage that's repetitive, find the common thread, highlight it, and do it over and over again, and you'll really see what the author is trying to pull out from that passage in a new and colorful way, literally. Yeah, yeah, it's super helpful to me. I And I, of course, it's not original with me. That's just a, a really great Bible study technique, even if you're doing it wrong, like, like sure. you're you're missing things or you're put you're noticing things that maybe aren't even there. It doesn't. The point is interact with the words, search them, dive into them, uh, wrestle with them, try to find something, and um, you, you'll be amazed what you can pull out on your own. That's awesome. 
Um, the last thing I want to bring up is actually a phrase from verse 13, where it says, uh, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, there's one phrase in there that I, I know you love to unpack and talk about, this yeah. idea of the name of Jesus. Uh, we often talk about in Christian circles about power in the name of Jesus or power in the name of Christ. We even have songs we sing at Northridge about power in the name of Jesus. So uh, in my experience, albeit limited experience, there isn't some kind of magic invoked whenever I say the name Jesus out loud. So what are we talking about here? Yeah, you know, I don't I don't want to be snarky. You know, I can get a little I have sort of a hobby horse here. So I don't want to, I don't want to overstate my case, but I think that there is some misunderstanding about the name of Jesus almost seeming like as you said like myth mystical or magical or if I just use the combination of letters J E S U S you know, something incredible is going to happen just by saying the name. And that's why in some like Christian circles, for instance, nobody names their kid Jesus because it seems like this reverent name that like you don't want to step on the toes of the name Jesus. But I kind of want to, you know, dispel that myth a little bit because I think there is power in the name of Jesus, but rightly understanding what we mean by that. You know, the Bible says that there's no uh, no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So there is power in the name of Jesus, but what do we mean? Let me, let me just say it briefly. I think someone's name in the New Testament, when they say believe on the name or there's power in the name, what that means is their reputation, their whole persona, their essence. You could even say in kind of a trite way, it's their brand, like everything that they stand for or that they mean. It doesn't actually mean the thing that you call them to get their attention um, because the name Jesus was actually insanely common in the first century. Um, the name Jesus is a Greek word, um, but it's actually just a normal Hebrew name. And it's the Hebrew name, Joshua. Mm. <laughs> so actually Joshua Horn, that I'm talking Dr. Joshua Horn right now, your name is Jesus. It's a good, strong Bible name. Yeah. <laughs> Just like Aaron, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> but um, so Joshua was a super common name. Joshua, if you know Bible history, he was a very important character in Israel's history. So there were lots of Joshua's running around in first century Israel. And there are lots of Joshua's running around today. That's a Hebrew name that when they translated into Greek to write the New Testament, they translated it to Jesus, like Pedro is Peter type thing. Like it's the same name. And so there's nothing special about that name. There would have been a lot of Jesuses running around, like we've said. Um, Of course, the name means God saves. It's a powerful name. But what was true of this particular name of Jesus was that he had claimed to be the son of God. He had claimed all of these things. He died for our sins. He rose to life. And so now Jesus of Nazareth, his name, what's powerful about him is that he made claims, he, he made good on those claims, and he has proved himself to be God. So the power in the name of Jesus is power in what Jesus accomplished, what he said he would do, and what he was able to pull off. That's what we mean by there's power in the name. We don't need to get like weird about, uh, you know, saying the name Jesus and thinking something incredible is going to happen. Power comes when we depend on the power that Jesus has demonstrated he has over sin and over death. Um, Mary, when she called Jesus to come to dinner, she would not have said, hey, Jesus, come to dinner. She would have said Joshua. So don't don't get too hung up on the name J-E-S-U-S. It's all about the power of what he accomplished. We hope you learned something new today. If anything we discussed sparked a question, we'd love to hear from you. There's a link in the show notes where you can contact us. And if you've missed this week's message or would like to learn more, head on over to northridgerochester.com. This is the last episode of the Verified Series Podcast, and we hope you've enjoyed it. If you have any feedback, we'd love to hear from you. My name is Josh, and thanks for listening to the Verified Series Podcast. Podcast.